Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. James Kahn is a professor of health policy at the University of California at San Francisco and editor of the Health Justice Monitor. Um, he says tracking how Medicare Advantage, the privately administered Medicare option funded by U.S. taxpayers, games the Medicare payment system. He says tracking it is an easy but a new report from the Physicians for National Health Plan has done a huge service by assembling the data in one easy to understand and well-cited review. The report finds that Medicare Advantage has overcharged the U.S. at a minimum of 22% or $88 billion and potentially by up to 35% or $140 billion. Khan says these dollars have nothing to do with providing care. They are ill-gotten gains. So here's um, uh, Dr. James Kahn. So Medicare Advantage um, started under a somewhat different name about uh, two decades ago and accelerated under the Affordable Care Act um, the private insurers are large companies, larger still for their mergers. They kind of tapped out the employment-based system. They, they had, you know, very high penetration for insurance for workers. Um, but they had only begun to uh, get into the Medicare area. As you pointed out, Medicare payment systems are divided into two big categories. There's traditional Medicare where the government directly pays providers on a fee-for-service basis, no middleman. And then there's Medicare Advantage where private insurers, almost entirely for-profit, um, receive an amount every month for every enrollee from the government, and then they pay providers through various mechanisms. And uh, the Medicare Advantage companies have been working hard to increase enrollment, and they have done so steadily. So now it's about half of Medicare is uh, Medicare Advantage. This last year, the current enrollment year, so 2023, end of the year, right now, in fact, um, they're having some trouble meeting their targets. Um, But in general, it's been um, a, a good way for them to get Um, more what are called in the business covered lives, more money through the private insurers. In fact, public programs, both Medicare and Medicaid, have been the main source of growth for insurance companies. What we wrote about in in what I wrote about in my blog and what PNHP calculated was how much Medicare Advantage is being overpaid. What do I mean by overpaid? Well, that monthly amount called the capitation amount should ideally reflect what it would cost to care for those same patients under traditional Medicare so that the government would be held cost neutral, that it wouldn't cost the government more to bring in private insurers. In fact, the original claim of the private insurers and people who were proposing a role for private insurers was that Medicare Advantage would save money. Well, it turns out, unsurprisingly, because profits are at stake, it has gone in exactly the opposite direction. And so what this report did and what I wrote about in my blog is to really take a broad, inclusive look at ways in which Medicare Advantage insurers are overpaid. 
And the bottom line number is that they're overpaid by approximately $100 billion per year. That's about $2,250 per beneficiary per year are overpayments. And I use the word gaming because really uh, it's tricks that Medicare abetted by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, the tricks that they play to increase their capitation payments. So I will pause there to see if you want to add anything. Otherwise, I can go into what comprises the $100 billion. Now, before we go there, how much would that $100-plus billion pay for if the government wasn't being overcharged? Well, you know, uh, as you indicated, this is a significant overpayment on the order of, of 20%. Um, it's it's a lot of money, even in today's inflated dollars. $100 billion is a lot of money. Um, it's It could be used in two ways. It could pay for better coverage. So right now, Medicare Advantage enrollees do have cost sharing um, and a substantial um, uh, cost, uh, potentially, especially if people are sick, substantial costs out of pocket. And uh, it's well documented that Medicare enrollees, especially those in Medicare Advantage, um, often have financial barriers to care. So what it would pay for to use this money would be to um, avoid that damaging cost sharing. The other thing it would do is simply make funding the Medicare program more affordable. It would increase the financial health of the Medicare program. So reduce costs barriers, you can add some specific services. Like right now, Medicare Advantage says that some of them say they have some dental care, vision care, et cetera, but the coverage is very thin and very inadequate. Um, you could also start to fund long-term care, which currently is limited to Medicaid and only to people who are really poor and in many cases have had to sell their house simply to qualify for Medicaid long-term care. Those problems could be addressed. And once those problems are adequately addressed, you can also just, again, make the Medicare uh, a program more fiscally solvent so that it can continue to operate without any um, financial threats. You know, there's a lot you can do with $100 billion. And think of what the families could do with more than $2,200 per beneficiary per year. So if you have two Medicare beneficiaries, two Medicare Advantage enrollees, in one family, that's almost $5,000 per year um, of, of resources that could go to other things. So um, there are lots of ways we could spend that money. And rather than being used to do what you're describing, it's just extracted and goes to profit? It does go to profit. Um, of course, this isn't talked about in this way by you know, the health policy experts at CMS and by the lobbyists for uh, the health insurers. Instead, it's, it's talked about as either, you know, slight um, uh, inaccuracies in some of the capitation costing methods uh, or it's talked about as a way to promote um, uh, good things. Let me give you an, an example 
Of the $100 billion, um, $24 billion is for geographic and quality paid bumps. In other words, capitation rate is higher in certain areas of the country which are more expensive and to reward the Medicare Advantage plans for hitting high-quality um, benchmarks. So take the quality benchmarks. There are quality measures, but it turns out that most of them have to do with uh, the satisfaction of pretty healthy enrollees. So people who are healthy don't need a lot of care. They tend to be fairly happy with the uh, private insurers, and so the quality measures are pretty high. But it turns out these quality measures have no relationship with actual quality of medical care. So they learn how to manipulate or, if you will, game the quality measures so that they get the maximum quality payment. So they're getting a quality reward without materially affecting quality. That's an example of gaming. Um, a more um, uh, about about 64 billion of the 100 billion um, is actually more insidious. Um, the uh, insurers have figured out how to attract less expensive enrollees. So if you look at enrollees who shift from traditional Medicare to Medicare Advantage or those who stay in traditional Medicare, the ones who shift over do so, um, they're less expensive, even controlling for whatever diagnoses they have. So someone with congestive heart failure, for example, who's in traditional Medicare and stays there is typically sicker and more expensive than the congestive heart failure patient who decides to switch to Medicare Advantage. And one of the ways that happens is that Medicare Advantage makes it harder to get hospital care, uh, particularly at uh, academic medical centers. So people hear about this and they go, well, I like my doctor at the academic medical center. I'm not going to switch because I'll lose my doctor. And those people who seek out the best care are typically sicker and more expensive. So it's, a, it's called adverse selection. And it's a, it's a technique that insurers have refined so that they can get less expensive enrollees. And on top of that, once they have people in there, they go and look for ways to increase the number of diagnoses listed for that person, which increases the capitation rate. So, for example, they'll invite people for an annual well check, which actually, according to the medical literature, has no medical benefit. But in that well check, they can run through a list of possible diagnoses and add to the diagnoses that are listed. Sometimes this is simply uh, liberal interpretation of what a diagnosis is. Sometimes it's outright fraudulent. But that adds $20 billion. So those $64 billion, so those are all about gaming who you get and how you classify them. Um, there, there's another slice to it, but that's the bulk of it right there, and that's why we talk about it as gaming. Now, CMS is largely complicit with this, but they're also... Uh, forced by Congress to give health insurers what the insurers want. Very recently, earlier this year, CMS tried to um, tried to uh, uh, reduce the uh, gaming with the uh, with the uh, disease severity classifications. They proposed a revision to the procedures that would have saved um, ten billion dollars in 2024 for Medicare. Um, and actually would have, uh, uh, sorry, would have saved $13 billion. Um, 
and the uh, insurers set up a huge lobbying campaign, massive, and by the time the rule was finalized, $10 billion of the $13 billion had disappeared, was back in the coffers of the insurance company. So CMS, I, I would say, has, has not done the best possible job, but even when they try to do their job of making the system fair, they're overwhelmed by political influence. You know, I see those ads on television endlessly. When you see those, do you, have you seen them? And if you have... You know, what are you thinking when you see, you know, Montel Williams or all these <laughs> folks on TV trying to, Joe Namath, you know, <laughs> trying to sell You know, I, I grew up in New York in the heyday of the Jets, so I know who Jay Namath, Joe Namath is. It just makes me sad that all of this is driven by, uh, in, you know, trying to maximize enrollment and, and manipulate the payment uh, uh, rules and so on. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunately uh, completely um, predictable given the uh, huge uh, financial clout and uh, determination to gain profits uh, exhibited by the insurance companies. Um, of course, I have a solution. I didn't make it up, but I do study it a lot, and that is single payer, where everyone is um, in a single publicly financed health insurance approach where uh, all of the payment rates are fairly determined. Most versions of single-payer rely on fee-for-service, which would not be subject to these, this gaming with uh, capitation amounts. Um, but even if you did have some capitation under single-payer, it would be much easier to regulate it, um, in, in large part because everyone would be in the same system. So I think our... And that was uh, James Kahn. Uh, professor of Health Policy at UC San Francisco, editor of Health Justice Monitor. Check out the entire um, study um, on the overcharging um, by Medicare Advantage at the Physicians for a National Health Plan website.